Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are discussing a paper that is titled Type 2 Polysaccharide Storage Myopathy in Quarter Horses is a novel glycogen storage disease causing exertional rhabdomyolysis. And this is by Stephanie J. Valberg et al. And basically, in a nutshell, what polysaccharide storage myopathy is, we can call it PSSM for short, is it is, um, if I get my words out, it's an inherited muscle disease. And it affects many breeds of horses um, and different types but its clinical characteristics can vary between the breeds as well. So some can be quite specific, um, but we tend to see muscle pain, cramping, um, cell damage due to exercise, and then progressive muscle atrophy. So that's like wastage of the muscle tissues. It There's two types. So this is um, kind of what we're trying to delve into today because Type 1 is a lot easier to test for. It's um, blood or or hair tests, I think as well, Nancy. But it's a DNA test, essentially, that's run to see if the horse has that genome for the type 1. Now, type 2 is actually a little bit trickier to test for and so can go undiagnosed as such for longer. But the recommendation is that if your horse has muscle pain and they test negative for type one, which is that blood or hair test, then really they should be referred to have this type two test. And the type two test requires a muscle biopsy to be taken. So a little section of muscle is excised or removed and it's sent away to a laboratory where they take very fine slices of that muscle. They look at them under a microscope and they stain the muscle and try and identify if there's any structures that are normal or abnormal. There's a really great picture um, that we'll make available for you guys of a normal biopsy besides a biopsy of a polysaccharide um, myopathy biopsy, sorry, PSSM. And when you look at them side by side, you can see that the fibers in the PSSM biopsy are a little bit more broken down, the actual muscle fibers. You can see a lack of uniform texture in it, and it shows this accumulation of extra glycogen um, and abnormal polysaccharides, basically, that is sitting within the muscle. But why is this important, and why do we need to know about it? It actually affects... um, quite a few horses, specifically in this study, we're looking at quarter horses. Um, And I think warm bloods are more predisposed to this as well. But what brought our attention to this disease is we actually had a listener write in. Yes, um, I did receive a message on Facebook 
from Christy, and I'll just read you her message. She said, hi, guys. Hope you both are well. Just wondering if you've ever done a podcast on PSSM. It's such a huge topic, so not sure how you tackle it. I'm in the UK and had to send off to Germany to get diagnosed for PSSM2. Vets don't seem to know as much either and only offer biopsies. Now, that's probably where she lives. Um, obviously, the particulars on how to manage it depend on which PSSM your horse has. Um, now, she says it can't be diagnosed with a muscle biopsy only hair and blood sample. And in my research, that would be for PSSM1. You do need to do the hair and blood sample to get the genetic test done. The muscle biopsy is if you're not one of the breeds that normally have the genetic form of the disease. Uh, she says, it seems there's only two camps with regard to feeding, um, and the feeding is zero magnesium and chelated calcium, uh, or adding magnesium to feed uh, with amino acids. Could be a long one to do, she's meaning episode, much love, Christy. Now, in my research, I first looked up Dr. Valberg, and I tell you, she is a fervent researcher on PSSM and other muscle diseases in horses. She's a DVM, a PhD, and a DACVIM, which means she took the extra training um, that makes her board certified in other areas. Um, she welcomes emails from anyone uh, getting a diagnosis of PSSM. I will share her email on our homepage. And then she also has the Equine Neuromuscular Diagnostic Laboratory website with loads of information. And that is through Michigan State. I'll post a link to that as well. I think the interesting thing before we get into the paper is that the American Quarter Horse Association has been uh, studying this and putting funding into research on PSSM through or since 1995. Now, the paper we're going to discuss, uh, I believe the first sets of data that came through were from 1998. And they took data sets all the way up to 2021. So that's 28 years of data on uh, the genetic and the genomes and then also the muscle biopsies. So um, prior to the genetic test being developed, they only di diagnosed PSSM via biopsy. So um, first off, I guess we need to explain type one, which is mainly um, centered around, um, I guess, quarter horses with Dr. Valberg. She used them. Uh, apparently, 45% of quarter horses carry, um, one parent carries the genetic mutation, and it's the glycogen synthesis one mutation. So it's GLY. Um, is it G, 
GYS1? Yeah. And what I heard a vet describe this so well in a lecture where normally insulin, so say our fat little ponies have equine metabolic syndrome, their problem is they're more insulin resistant. With PSSM, a horse is very much insulin sensitive. So that insulin picks up more glycogen, more glucose out of the blood than what the horse really needs. And when that glucose goes into the muscle for energy, it becomes glycogen. So it's like the insulin sensitivity goes on overdrive and there's too much glycogen in that muscle and it forms these branches that the horse genetically does not have the ability to break down. So in a nutshell, that put it in a picture for me that I could fully understand what was happening and why on these biopsies, you see these stains that just have globs of glycogen on them. And we'll be sure to post that picture like Kate said. And with that um, PSS-1, um, the horses typically present with what we call rhabdomyolysis, and that's damage of the muscle cells. And there's other terms that are sometimes used with this that you hear, like tying up is a term that can be frequently used. They can also present with like a progressive weakness as well. Um, but essentially we see like, an exercise intolerance or a stiffness in movement and um, you know and this can range from very subtle to very extreme depending on the degree of the disease so it is something that is very limiting and it takes horses out of work and I think me and Nancy have kind of touched on this before because this paper touches on it as well I think there were two horses from the study that eventually were euthanized um, due to uncontrollable soreness and health issues and poor performance related to the disease. And I think that's it's such a shame when something like that happens, when horses kind of essentially lose their purpose and then potentially for monetary issues we make a decision to have to euthanize so anytime there's studies that are focusing more into how to work on a problem like this I think it is really important for horse welfare and particularly in this case because I think like the pain that comes with muscle soreness shouldn't be overlooked as a welfare issue as well like they're still experiencing pain and it's something that we need to make sure we treat and I don't think it's fair anymore to kind of say, oh, they're just stiff today. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, anytime you may see a horse um, after you have exercised them, uh, maybe be in their stall and be shifting their back in from left to right and they look tensed up. Um, sometimes they can kind of have tremors um, 
one, I know one horse that I used to exercise would get like a very firm abdomen. Like you could just see the muscles along even the sides of the ribs just kind of tense up. And anytime you can see that in there's, um, you know, quarter horse, warm blood, I think uh, draft horses are prone to it. And, um, you know, it doesn't take much maybe to talk to your vet about possibility of PSSM1. Now, other breeds can get PSSM2, which is comparable. The whole thing is they just don't have the um, glycogen synthesis a mutation. So they have more or less a um, muscle enzyme deficiency. You still see those globs of glycogen though in the stains. They're slightly different and they're not as pronounced. And with um, the treatment for PSS2, what was really important was controlling that diet and the exercise recommendations. And I thought this was really fascinating, the response that they had to the diet and exercise. So the diet, they suggested low starch, <clears throat> low fat. And then they emphasized the importance of daily exercise. And it doesn't have to be a high level exercise, but ensuring that especially horses that are stables are out um, to be able to walk and to be able to stretch every day. In the, um, <coughs> sorry, in the follow-up of 19 horses, 15 follows the recommendations. And of that, I think 14 had regular daily exercise, was it Nancy? Um. Yeah, they said 13 um, had no further episode of rhabdomyolysis when they were given regular daily exercise or provided turnout on days they were not exercised. So, yeah, 14 were, <coughs> were given that exercise or turnout. And then of the um, 13 horses that followed diet and exercise, they did not have any further tying up or muscle problems. Now, you can change the diet and lessen those non-structural carbohydrates, but if you don't implement consistent exercise, and they said one day a week would not be enough, you, according to Dr. Valberg, you need to do at least 10 minutes of exercise daily if you're going to get results uh, of changing the diet and exercise, you just can't change the diet. And I think sometimes we can overlook how difficult that can be to do, especially with adverse weather conditions or spending geographically where you're based. But it was a key component to be able to um, essentially reverse this painful muscle tightness that the horses were experiencing. Yeah. And she did also uh, mention that um, you, you know, for chronic PSSM2 cases, you cannot give them prolonged rest after an episode. Um, the rest actually is counterproductive and predisposes them 
to further episodes of muscle pain. So you at least have to turn them out with compatible companions. And, um, you know, it helps their energy metabolism. So if you're on a pasture, um, they don't recommend the high non-structural carbohydrates. So they do recommend a grazing muzzle, especially if it's lush pasture. So you're trying to keep the horse calm, not easily stressed, um, because stress tends to be a trigger in PSSM2. And we mentioned about it being an inheritable disease. From the study, they found there was a relationship among the horses. So within four to six generations, um, they found that they had that PSSM2 marker. Seven of the horses were related to one stallion and three were related to an additional stallion. So through the generations, it seemed to follow down. In a third family, they found seven horses related to one stallion within four generations. And basically, the dam and two half-siblings of one of these horses also had exertional rhabdomyolysis. It is very much, and especially in quarter horses, there's very few foundation uh, stallions. So um, it's an easy community of horses to track genetics. So um, definitely something if you have a quarter horse or a quarter horse mix, because it only takes one parent having the gene to, to give that um, offspring a 50% chance of having it. So again, your environment and your diet and all those phenotypical in, inputs make a difference as well. But it seems to be where um, it doesn't need to be contributing genes from both parents. And that was quarter horses. They mentioned American paint horses and um, Appaloosa as well. Yeah. American paint horses, I think, are just one of the most beautiful horses I've ever seen. But yeah. they pointed out as well that, like, um, historically, warm bloods and Arabian horses would have been formally diagnosed with it. But subsequent research has now identified that they the warm bloods and the Arabians actually had normal glycogen concentrations in the muscle. So it was more consistent that they had a, a different kind of type of muscle myopathy. Yeah, I think they call it MFM and it's um, myofibrillar um, yeah. myopathy. And that what is so odd about that, according to Dr. Valberg, is that the diet is the complete opposite of what you would give to a PSSM1 horse. So you could reduce your NSCs. You don't have to go low on them. And you should not increase the fat because fat seems to spur the MFM on. So it's so important that you have a um, good relationship with your vet 
to be able to discuss your scenario because these are very specific conditions and I think it can be managed with diet and exercise, but you need to know what condition you're dealing with. And some people are calling MFM uh, PSSM3 now. So um, it's really a subset of PSSM2, but it's so important to get your diagnosis correct. I think this was an absolutely brilliant insight into the disease because it's something that I have touched on in the past, just like it's cropped up every now and again, but nothing that I've ever delved into. And this paper is so in-depth. There's such a wealth of knowledge in it. Um, Nancy and I normally point out like if we recommend reading a paper and by all means absolutely if you would like to read more on this and um, you can access this paper but it is very technical and I think there's a lot of um like jargon in relation to genomes and kind of laboratory references so it's not the most accessible reading wise, if you're not used to those types of papers or that type of verbiage. But Nancy mentioned um, that Dr. Valberg is more than happy to be contacted by anyone that has any concerns or has had a horse diagnosed with either of these diseases, which I think is just absolutely amazing and um, a very considerate thing for her to do, I suppose, to use her time. In that way, because it is, I mean, I can only imagine that she is incredibly busy. This paper was August 2022. So it is um, published very recently. And I think it's very exciting to see where the developments will go in relation to these diseases. I thought it was interesting, too, that um, 70% of cases of PSSM were diagnosed by muscle biopsy and quarter horses. And those were the PSSM2 quarter horses. It seems to be more common in higher performance horses like barrel racers, reining, cutting horses. But PSSM1 is more prevalent in halter horses. So what do you see in halter horses, you see a muscle, they're like bodybuilders. They don't, <laughs> you know, they don't necessarily do any cardiovascular work. They just pose and build their muscles. And so <laughs> um, they were more likely to have that gene um, that was, um, I guess, resulted in type one. Now, uh, 80% of warm bloods uh, biopsied were PSSM2. And those were Dutch warm bloods, Swedish warm bloods, Hanoverians, Frisians, Cella Francaise, Westphalians, and Canadian warm blood, Irish sport horses, 
Um, some of these I haven't even heard of, but even Icelandic courses have been diagnosed as PSSM2. But the weird thing is light breeds also like Morgan's, Arabian, Standard Breads, and Thoroughbreds. So I am very apparent of the RER that occurs in Thoroughbreds. So I wonder if sometimes we don't assume they're tying up um, from, you know, being on the track and their diet and their um you know, they can't just run and do a sprint every day. It would break them down. They have to be put in an exercise program with their speed increased or their time or their distance, but not all three. So you pick which level you're going to work on for that week in training them. And sometimes there's a conflict between the rider and the horse. The horse wants to do something else. So then we'll see some of them that are highly reactive will tie up. So um, this was really um, research that we could have spent more than one episode on between the different types, but it's very technical. And we thought it would be best just to touch upon it, but then to send you to Dr. Valberg's website where she answers so many questions. I didn't even get through everything that she had on that website. And um, I think it, it's so interesting. I would have never looked into this because the thoroughbreds I have don't tie up. My Welsh pony certainly does the SSM because she, I have to watch for the insulin resistance versus the overdrive insulin that can occur. But it was interesting. And, and thank you, Christy, for uh, recommending this because, um, you know, I learned a lot this week researching this. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Christy. And next week, we're actually going to segue into looking at tying up in racehorses to yep. kind of follow on in our um, myopathy series, I suppose. Well, and you know what? It's so odd because people think thoroughbreds only tie up on the track, but I've been at boarding barns where um, the thoroughbreds have tied up and they weren't doing anything rigorous. They were just being put in a box, so to speak, or in a certain shape. And there was a conflict there. And so uh, we'll look into the thoroughbreds and their tying up in the different instances when that can occur, because it could be PSSM2. It could also be RER or MFM. So um, I had no idea there were so many muscular disorders. And as Dr. Valberg says, it's neuromuscular disorders. So it, it begins with the whole biochemistry. So it's interesting. I love that they integrate as management, a diet and exercise because so many of human um, diseases can be managed with diet and exercise, and some of them can be cured by mm -hmm. that. So um, I think this is really neat to go 
And now we'll talk about thoroughbreds and tying up. I think we have a lot of listeners that do have thoroughbreds off the track. And um, I'm interested to delve into to see if there's any genetic connections to any of our current sires. And to see what the updates are on it. Because I think that's an area that I've not looked into in years. Um, And I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised with some new information. Well, and I bet any money, Kate, in a six months or a year, we could be redoing this podcast because of new information that has come out. Exactly. And I'm sure that's probably already happened. We should probably look back over some of the episodes. Well, I looked at Dr. Valbert's papers and with this coming out in August, this was the newest. And I guess I should give what the conclusion was of this paper. Um, It was that PSSM2 in quarter horses is a novel glycogen storage disorder that is not the result of a mutation in genes currently known to cause muscle glycogenosis in other species. So currently they're not tying it to a glycogen synthesis mutation. They were looking at it as a different type of muscle disorder so we'll have to see what comes up in the future because maybe they'll find the exact cause yeah that would be absolutely brilliant and then just to reiterate that they did say from that follow-up um of those 13 horses that low non-structural carbohydrate low fast diets and regular exercise were really effective in managing it Yep. And then not to get it confused, the type one um, PSSM, they would feed a higher fat diet that was implemented like over a two week period. Because remember, horses don't have gallbladders. So you've got to initiate that higher fat oils, especially so slow. So um, that's the one thing. It's so odd. All three types of muscle disorders we talked about today has three different diets and nutrition protocols. So if you have a horse that you think may have this, get with your vet, get with a vet that you can form a good rapport with because, and let Dr. Valberg know. So um, she's open to discussing things and her website is wonderful. Brilliant. So until next week, thanks very much, Nancy. And thanks, Christy, for recommending this one. Um, And we'll talk to you then. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for joining, even though you're all stopped up. and I know. You are dedicated, girl. (laughs) If anyone heard me, I've coughed a couple of times through the episode, but on the mend. And I'll be better next week. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Take care.